Hello, Nebcast fans. I'm Brad, and this week I'm recording up in Boulder because we have a special guest who uh, probably should have been on earlier, but uh, it's uh, taken a little while to get a hold of him. But friends, I'd like you to like to introduce my great longtime friend Adam Smith. Hello. How you doing, Adam? I'm good. I'm good. A little bit thirsty. A little thirsty. I'm not thirsty anymore. I drank some water. I see that you got a cool little CU. <laughs> bottle made out of metal made out of metal um yeah so uh we're recording usually we record on ryan's laptop but he's busy so i had to use mine and hopefully the audio quality is turning out turning out okay um yeah but it's it might sound a little bit like a helicopter <laughs> yeah it definitely sounds a little bit like a helicopter what was that thing you were doing oh before we well started? the story it, well, you there's I'm reporting here from Channel Five, and uh, we got a snow. We we got a fire breakout. We got a fire breakout in the sky. Yeah, well, you can't see it, but Adam's slapping I'm, his chest with his yeah, hands. I was uh, to make that sound. I was up at Lake, Lake McConaughey with a man named Mackenzie Keegan and Carson Barsh, who have been in a few of our videos. Um, and uh, we were smoking pot, and you know, because that's what I did back then. But uh, we were we were really really stoned. And uh, Mackenzie had a flashlight, and it's, it's pitch dark outside. It's about one in the morning. We're in the, on the shore of the lake camping, and he decides that uh, he needs to imitate a helicopter. So he starts patting his chest really fast, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he starts to come to light about how he's in Chicago, and he's reporting on a Chicago fire, and uh, just the sound of, that the speakers are the speakers are making when. When we were listening to the playback, it just reminded me of that moment because it was just so ridiculous. And, uh, you know, I'm not a good imitator of Mackenzie, but uh, that was definitely one of the more funny moments for me of being high. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Speaking of long times ago, um, we've known each other for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going on 13 to 14 years now. Yeah, 7th grade. 7th grade is when we met, and we really didn't hang out a lot. I hung out with Jason Cross. That's yeah. That's I hung out first, and then... Because you guys, they split us up into three different types of... Three different colors. Colors, yeah. In 7th grade, it was like red, white, and blue, and then 8th uh, grade, it was maroon, gold, and white. Parted. I don't know. I forgot. I Either was always in the white one. I just remember that because I was in the band. You were in the band? Yeah, I was in the band. Isn't that crazy? All these instruments. What? Which one? I played uh, clarinet and trumpet and drums and flute. Wow. You're almost like your own band. <laughs> I'm the one-man band. One-man band. Yeah. I was terrible at flute, but I was all right at uh, clarinet, but I didn't like it. And then I played drums, and then that sucked. I couldn't keep the same kind of rhythm as like the person who was like an amazing drummer. So then I was tried trumpet and I sucked at that. So I went back to clarinet, <laughs> where I just sat there and did nothing. I tried uh, to learn piano. I think my junior year. Oh, it's, and, uh, it's it didn't last very long. Yeah, it's fun. They're cool instruments. It's fun to play. You know, I played violin as a kid too. Like long before. I know. Like, you uh, have a photo. I have popular photo yeah, online. My, Favorite photo, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I did all that stuff before, but it never really just got to me. So yeah, Jason was uh, my longtime friend before that, and yeah, you guys got paired up in your little yeah uh, we, sector of the junior yeah, high. Pretty much, it was like me and him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but then we went to um, high school, and 
you and I ended up in a, an American history class. That's right, and I basically cheated off of you, <laughs> or our... so it felt. That's how it felt for me, but that's not what happened. But yeah, there seems to be a running theme where Ryan cheats off of me in geometry, and <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't really cheating. We we, we just uh, we were studious. We actually we were really studious, studious, studios, studious, studious. Yeah, it's studious. But yeah, studiantes, studiantes. Uh, yeah, we just did really well in my classes. I think that's the only class I got an A in, other than theater class. I really didn't understand how American history was hard for other people, because it all you had to do... It was very easy. It's just you write just it read down. the book. And, and write it down. Write, yeah, regurgitate <laughs> it onto paper. And oh Mr. Reed... God. The cool thing was, though, like... Mr. Reed. We were so good at it that we would, you know, he'd give everyone, like, an hour and a half to do the assignments. And it's just, like, a one-page questionnaire, like... When did this happen, and what was the date of this, and who was involved in this? And it was then, basically fill in the blank. Yeah. It literally was like fill in the blank. All the questions, like you read it, like everything was basically fed to you. you could just, yeah. And then, you know, we'd be finished an hour before everyone else and oh, just sitting man. around, and everyone's like, why are you done already? How did you <laughs> remember that? That was so ridiculous. You guys are like the smartest kids in class. Like, I, it's just, I don't know, it just didn't seem that special to me. I think that was the downfall for me in high school, was that class, because I was like, this is ridiculous. Everything is easy. I'm not going to try. <laughs> like, I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed, he, like, he would show us episodes of Law and Order. Yeah, that's right. And, I remember that. Like, that was fun to watch, and then, I, like, after I was introduced to that, I started, like, watching on A&E and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, it wasn't like, he was just a, bo- it wasn't that he was a boring teacher, it was just the no. material was, this is so easy to read out of a textbook, and then answer the ex- like it's like he read the book ahead of time and yeah it's simple just repeat read uh, repeat Mr. Reed yeah he was also my English teacher was he yeah for one for like one semester maybe I thought he was English alright is that why he went he taught soccer I guess he taught football and soccer because there's yeah. soccer um and then like uh you did theater like from the get go. Yeah, I got, got there, and I was the one of the only freshmen to get in a theater program. Like I, I guess it had been like four or five years before he really, Mr. Klug, had really put uh, freshmen in his place. He said they couldn't act. Yeah, usually so, if you're a freshman, like as soon as you get into theater, you're tech. Like, yeah, you, pretty much. You do props, you do sound, whatever. You don't get to be the star. Yeah, well, I wasn't really a star. It was just it was like a improv thing. And I never, in middle school, I tried out for both times where they had like an improv troupe at, at uh, junior high level, and I tried out for both of them, and I didn't get into both of them. I got like second callback, third callback, and then like, which is, seems kind of ridiculous at that time that they're so harsh on kids who wanted to try stuff, but <laughs> they, uh, yeah, they didn't want me in the improv troupe. And the only person that got in the improv troupe was Kenny Storms. And he was like one of my friends at the time, and I was like so mad. I remember being in eighth grade and like, so angry that I didn't get in the improv troupe that I started to cry in the middle of Mr. Sharoni's fucking science class. And Mr. Sharoni's like the most boring science teacher you can imagine. He has that very plain monotone voice and he's like, Adam, are you okay? And then I started to laugh because I was crying and then I started to laugh and that just made things com- more complicated. And oh, but yeah, and then, but Mr. Klug. The tryouts for Mr. Klug were improv based. Like you basically just improv a scene, and then um, that's kind of how you that's how you did your tryout for him that, that for that play. And uh, Kenny Storms and I both got into the play, but then Kenny couldn't do it. Um, 
time conflict or something like that. But I was already, it was me and Kenny, the only two freshmen in a long time that had ever really gotten into the plays. And it was, everybody kind of had an equal part for the most part. So, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience to start out that way. What, what was your first show? Um, running gags and sudden stops. That's and right. And getting yeah. out of our minds, yeah. I never saw it, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. It was actually really good. It was actually really clever. That's um, what I heard. And they only did like one of those improv shows like every four years. Something right? like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the two people that like I really took out of that, I, I'm trying to think of their names right now because I uh, kind of put them out of my brain, but I want to say Andy, Andy Sylvie. Well, kind of. Oh, yeah, it was. Andy Sylvie and Shane Mardcourt. And, you know, both of them absolutely, hands down, amazingly talented and never did anything with the acting stuff. They never, like, moved on and went into acting. They just moved on and went into, like, construction work <laughs> or bartenders. Shane Mardcourt's a bartender. Gave up on the dream, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't their dream and just wanted to do it. They were pretty it's cool the guys. They were pretty cool guys. But they, uh, yeah. And then the second show I tried out for, I didn't get into the second show. Uh, At all? Well, Mr. Klug, let me, see, let me see, what was the second show? second show was during my freshman year, what the hell was it? There was only, there was only like four people in it, and I just can't think of... And we did three shows a year, there was always the yeah. fall play, the fall play, spring play, play and, and then the musical. musical. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the second show I didn't get into, it was, uh, I just can't think of what it is right now. Eh, it's not necessarily important, but I... I'll never forget, like, I tried out with um, Edgar Allan Poe, the Telltale Heart, the, like, monologue that the guy has from Telltale Heart, and and I practiced, I practiced so hard for that, like, really, really practiced, and then, uh, <laughs> and then Andy Sylvie came back after that, after I, my, like, my, like, high school idol of the time, like, <laughs> Andy Sylvie comes backstage and is like, that was the most amazing tryout I've ever seen in my life. And I was like, wow, thank you. That was really cool. And then, uh, yeah, from then on, I was kind of hooked. Like, I, after running gags, I had such a fun time in running gags, and so much experience came from that. Like, you know, after party and all that kind of stuff. Like, I did things that I've never done before, like smoked a cigarette for the first time. Like, you know, which is kind of stupid, but at the time, it was so different for me. Comparatively, my mom owned a health food store my entire life. So from going from a health food store mentality to like drinking, smoking, and doing all this other stuff was so different and, and such a such a change that I was I was so hooked on that on that feeling, and that was kind of like the initial blast. And then I didn't get into the second play, and I was like, oh, that sucks. Maybe I'm not good, you know, whatever. But then they just put me. They, Mr. Klug started having me do children's theater, um, like helping with children's theater my freshman year. A little bit. Should I explain Children's Theater? Yeah, I, yeah, Children's Theater is awesome. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I, you can explain it, but um, it, there was an actual class, like, the plays were extracurricular, but the, there was an actual class where um, the students would get together and we would write um, our own skits to, perfor to perform and travel around the Denver metro area at elementary schools performing, you know, basically fables and uh, fairy tales. So, uh, and then, you know, everyone would share parts, like no one would be the same character in any show. We'd all rotate, and it was real, a lot of fun. It was, really. What a cool class. You yeah. know, I, that, if there's one thing that I'd ever take from high school, that was definitely one of those things that I took that I, I do truly miss. 
Like, there's not a lot of that. You know, I don't really the miss a lot. The class doesn't even exist at the school anymore, either. No, it, after our term, it got canceled. This principal decided that it was, you know, not okay for the students or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Made up some bullshit lie. I don't really care. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a interesting class because Mr. Klug had me help from freshman year, you know, a little bit. Every once in a while, he just had me come along with him. And I think Mr. Klug really liked me. He really treated me with a lot of respect, you know, and then... When my head got a little bit too big, you know, my ego got too big because I was like, thought I was cock of the walk, you know, he was like, no more of that. And he totally, like, just threw it back in my face, you know, like, no, you're not good, you know, nobody's good. And then I really learned lots of, like, kind of life lessons from him. I try to be, you know, I still have that kind of ego thing that's kind of part of my character, but I definitely have learned to be a little more humble. Keep it in control, I guess. You know, yeah, keep it in control. Just because of Mr. Clue, I think it made a big impact on that moment. So, yeah, I, but yeah, I miss Children's Theater. That was a cool class. I really want to, that's, if there was something that we could do, like as a film, like I would want to take those Children's Theater things and make them into actual, like, films and then. I actually found, uh, when I was digging around on my computer, I, I have the script for uh, for Bonsai and Boots. Oh, really? Yeah. I ha- Bonsai and Boots. I forgot we called it Bonsai and Boots. That's so funny. Because <laughs> uh, my cat's name is Bonsai. Yeah, it's basically uh, like our own version of Puss in Boots. And because, yeah, your cat's name is Bonsai. Great cat. Yeah, um, great cat. We just substituted that. And uh, looking back on it, it's not like it's basically a lot like Puss in Boots. Well, like it, it hasn't changed a whole lot, but. Um, yeah, it's still fun to reminisce so cool. about. So and, and the, the fact that we did more than one fairy tale was so cool, you know, in the Children's Theater thing. We do like three or four plays, or two or three, and then, yeah, Rumpelstiltskin was the most ridiculous. That was, gosh, Rumpelstiltskin had like this like ten minute monologue, and I, I, there was a one time when Travis Valentine was playing Rumpelstiltskin, and Travis never memorized his lines. Was it Travis? Was it Luke? I don't know. I was. I only did. Uh, a semester of it, and it was late, late in the yeah. high school years. It, now that I think about it, it was Luke Simmons. It was Luke Simmons. It wasn't Travis Valentine. We all three played Rumpelstiltskin, but it was Luke Simmons, and we were at this like really ghetto Denver. It's not ghetto, but I mean, it was a kind of like Mexican-only school where there wasn't a lot of white people. The teachers were all spoke Spanish. Everybody spoke Spanish, but we didn't speak Spanish, and so it was like a, it was one of the first bilingual schools, and it was a little bit more rundown. And they didn't really even have a stage. They had a cafeteria, so we were playing in the cafeteria. And Luke is trying to remember the lines, and he just jumps from the beginning of the play to the very end of the play. And Mr. Klug in the background is—he's standing in the background, and I just—I'm watching him walk back and forth, steaming angry, just steaming angry, because he knows that Luke has just skipped the entire play, you know, in one single sentence. He's completely bound over everything else. And Mr. Mr. Clue just says, "Stop! Start over!" And like all the teachers and all the students are like, "What the fuck is going on? Oh my god!" And I just died laughing because, like, you know, Mr. Klug at that point, it was my sophomore year, Mr. Klug had basically said, you know, your head's too big, you can't play Rumpelstiltskin, like, you can be the so-called understudy, but you can't play him because you don't, you don't deserve it, which I agreed with, but. Yeah, that was oh, great memories from that. From that, we had fun. I always liked Tortoise and the Hare. That was my favorite. Yeah, I was gonna mention like one one of the most popular ones I participated in was Tortoise and the Hare. I think I played just the tortoise, but 
Well, Turner played the tortoise too. Um, a few people did because yeah. you know, we rotated, but I brought in uh, I had that Ninja Turtles mask. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I, I shared as a prop with the class, uh, and that nice. made it fun. But yeah, we'd uh, we'd have two commentators up on the stage. Oh, that and was then, so awesome. Um, when uh, like most of the stages we had were basically gym, yeah, uh, most gym of them were rooms. Gym rooms so, so it was like theater in the round. And we just have uh, commentators off to the side, and then we'd actually have the tortoise and the hare run around the kids and back, and yeah. uh, they, you know, try to trip each other up along the way. And it was it was basically a, not really telling the tortoise and the hare story like a like a tale. It was more like an improv gag yeah, where pretty much. the commentators would just look at whatever the two people running were doing and then make fun of them. Make fun of them. I always like when we did slow motion. Like they'd say like, "No, let's rewind oh, that yeah. and see in slow motion." And then like the actors would the slow actors down. would do like yeah. something ridiculous, and I'm waving my hands, and you guys can't see what I'm doing, but they, you know, they walk, they'd walk around and then pretend to trip each other, like as if you didn't see it in the moment. You know, that was that was always awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was fun. That was a cool play. Yeah, but from high school, I don't know. Since high school, you know, high school is where Brad and I really, I think the website stuff is where you and I kind of really yeah more cause, connected. Because um, you were always kind of behind the scenes and a little more shy about uh, your, your voice and stuff like that. Yeah, because my voice didn't change till junior year, I guess. Yeah, junior it, I guess it changed earlier, but I didn't notice <laughs> when it did, so I went back to talking really high and then... Yeah. I remember being in like I think theater semantics my sophomore year, and I was like, hey, I can do this, and I alternate between voices, and then people were like, oh my god, you gotta see this, like, look at this freak. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, <laughs> that wasn't me. I didn't say that. No, I, I, <laughs> that's just my own head talking. <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is entertained, but um, like in that class, I did a uh, one of the skits I had to perform for my. Uh, as an assignment, I did a Rowan Atkinson stand-up where oh, uh, right. he's the devil. Right. Yeah. I, I forget the name of it, but he's the devil, and it's just uh, a one-guy thing. You have that on your MySpace page, actually. The video? The video. Yeah, I actually have the DVD. Um, but yeah, he basically plays the devil, and it's just him on stage, and there's he's basically, the script is alluding to all these um, sinners, I guess, get cast down, get cast down into hell. And he's basically separating them into groups of like who's gonna go to the guillotine and who's gonna get burned for eternity and stuff. And it was really funny. I bet even funnier with uh, basically uh, my high voice. <laughs> I remember I hadn't it still hadn't changed yet. So, but like that was the first time I just felt the like the allure of attention, I guess. Like because I didn't think I was that good and I was just trying to finish an assignment. But everyone thought it was funny. And I don't think it was. Most uh, the skit itself is the funny part. I just managed to pull it off, and then after that, like I started to you know meet friends like Brian and Russell was pretty uh, familiar with everyone in theater and choir, and then you know just kind of started hanging out with you. And then when I started to like you know you guys did productions, I was like, hey, um, you know I can do 3D modeling. Would you like a 3D model of the that's set? Right, that's right. That's right. That's where it comedy of errors. Comedy of errors. So I did a 3D model of the comedy of errors set, and that's on the website actually. That picture. Um, you're like, oh, that's cool. You know, we should make a website for our shows. Yeah, and then because uh, you know, theater GHS. It's still like ninety nine, ninety eight, and you know, the county of uh, Jefferson County still doesn't have like good websites at their own schools. So even now. Yeah, even now they're kind of but, clunky, uh, but. Yeah, but we yeah we did a GeoCities website. Yeah, we were working with GeoCities because yeah. Because they did it for free. Yeah, they hosted for free, and uh, me and 
Jason and Russell uh, you know, spent a lot of weekends trying to do like the Nebulous Galaxy websites and stuff. And so then we, uh, you and I got together. Um, well, I bought your book back in <laughs> seventh grade or eighth grade. I have, I still have grade. it. Deception. Yeah. No, Deception. It was before tenth grade. I'm pretty sure. I have it. I've had it for a long. I know you have. You paid the five bucks for it too. Yeah, I think. I yeah, I think I have it. Did you I, read it all? I did not read it all. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Like, I've gone back and tried to read it, and I'm just like, I can't believe I wrote this shit. <laughs> it's so boring. Because when I like when I was writing, like, it made sense to me because I created the whole thing, but now when I go back and read it, it's like, I've just described the most unimportant stuff. Like, I just, I try to paint a picture of an entire scene so detailed that it doesn't move the story forward. Yeah. But, um, and then by the end of the story, I'm just like, I'm just trying to fill up pages. So, like, I just wanted to make a long book, so I just, you know, put just a bunch of stuff in there, and uh, so it picks up, like, it becomes more action-oriented towards the end, but whatever. It's, yeah, but that was really cool. I, I, was, I was the only that. person writing books, as yeah, far as I exactly. know. Who else can say that? Um, but, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, The Nether's, the Nether's Galaxy, that, I got really more involved in that, because that's kind of my, like, forte kind of stuff, because I like that kind of science fiction-y you know, kind of out there shit, so I thought it was, I was like, really, because we made the board game in seventh grade, I made the board game with Jason and you, that's where I first actually met you. Which board game? The Nebulous Galaxy, there was like a Nebulous Visions board, not Nebulous Visions, Nebulous Galaxy board game that we made for... The one with the audio tape? No, that was something you that's and Jason... That's something I did yeah, on my own, you yeah. you did that, I wasn't... I don't me. know what you're talking about, though. But Jason and I made a, like, Monopoly board with Nebulous, Nebulous Galaxy characters and you actually helped a little bit and we would play it every single day. Because yeah, we had that uh, basically like an access period between classes right, right, where right. Uh, so some kids would just study but I think it was Miss Lineweber. Miss Lineweber, yes that was her name. I don't hate her but she was tough. She, but, um, was, uh, she actually was pretty good to me She, but she was tough man. But you had the opportunity to sign up for uh, like a half class during that period you know other kids it was study but we got to be in a Part of it where you could uh, do creative stuff um, and turn it in as like extra credit, I think. That was, yeah, I think it was just like, it just added to your GPA. I think it was like extra, like, technically extra credit, but. Like if you dropped off on an assignment in another one of our classes, you could use whatever you did during that class. And like I, me and Jason, we did comic books. We made our own comic books. Or so something. did Jesse Preston. Jesse Preston did it too. Yeah. And, um,. To build models and dioramas, I don't know. You can yeah, research there's stuff. all kinds of stuff you could do. But that was a cool. I mean, yeah. So that's really kind of where you and I really, really started. Really, started. Yeah. Yeah, that Monopoly board. But yeah, the Nebulous Galaxy. I was, I was like kind of dug it. I was thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. And then um, that'll. I don't know if I want to segue to it now, but it'll make sense when we talk about Search's domain. Yeah. Because that's the basis of it. That's but um, I guess we should. You know, I did a few plays, comedy, comedy of errors. Uh, was cool. That's like my favorite thing. Was and that then, your first one? That's my first one. That that was when I was in as the, um, the executioner. Executioner. And then um, you were one of the brothers. I was one of the two brothers. One twin of the brothers. Twins. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of the the younger of twins. so-called younger twin. And that was a cool show because I got to design the poster for it, and uh, just everyone was in it. Like it was a huge cast, and everyone had yeah, a lot of fun, cool as far show. as I knew. Um, and then, oh, and then me and Brian got to pick out songs for the interludes. And the, actually, the group of us, uh, like the, uh, not the main cast char cast of characters, got to be in these scene interludes, and we got to write our own skits for those. Like, they're not in the, 
Shakespeare's play. Right. So um, in the set uh, transitions, yeah, we got to do our own creative stuff, and Brian and I got to pick out songs for it, and uh, actually the other people too, because um, Mr. Kluge had a his own choices, and then we're like, you yeah, know, Mr. Kluge has his, and then we sat there and just yeah, uh, based on what the skits were, we were like, oh, this song would fit to make sense, you know, yeah. a little subtext, and then uh, I missed out on um, what was it? The Diary of Anne Frank was. I was in Diary of Anne Frank. I was Mr. Dussel, which actually, her mom has a funny story about that, actually, to be honest. I, you know, not to toot my own horn, but the, my mom has a story where, you know, I was I was in a musical, but I was nothing, and then, like, some lady, like, thought I was, like, kind of cute or something, like, you know, because I was a young boy or whatever. But then she saw me as Mr. Dussel, and she fucking hated me. She absolutely, because I was Mr. Dussel to her, like, she forgot that I was, like, just an actor, and so my mom said this lady, my mom and I were, my mom and I were hanging out afterwards, after the show of Dyer Van Frank, and this lady came up and was, and told my mom that I was the biggest asshole ever, like, so she basically assumed that you were yeah. She's like you a are. fictional character who was you know, she well, treated not me fictional, yeah but, but, yeah. but she treated me like I was actually Mr. Dussel. Right. And then I guess maybe you should explain in case no one has. Oh well, Diary Van Frank. The there's, history. Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> history. There's Anne Frank, and then there's these Jews that live in a, live in basically uh, an attic, and they hide in this attic. But uh, Mr. Dussel was this giant. You know, he's just how would you say? I would say like a festering human being he just he's just basically an ass and he he's really stubborn he's really selfish he's self-centered and he basically treats everybody else in the entire entire um cast or in family family basically like shit and just completely treats them like criminals and that they're out to kill him get him killed and that kind of stuff and so and so that's how you approach a character. You pretty much just treat it like, you know, you're an asshole. That's pretty much how you do it. And, yeah, this lady was so convinced that I was an asshole. And then um, then it was that show, then it was Comedy of Errors, and then it was Good Man, um, Charlie, Brown. Good Man Charlie Brown. And was I, that? No, it was yeah, Good that, Man yeah, Charlie yeah, Brown. Right. And I played Schroeder, uh, which is like this like kind of more happy-go-lucky, like, way way not not mean way nice shy quiet but has like this really specific musical number and the same lady came up to me and my mom but i had walked away and i was i was taking pictures with mr klug and some of the cast and my the lady's like i am so sorry i called your son an asshole he is the greatest actor i've ever seen and i was like that's a cool story, you know. Like that's yeah. really cool because, like, it's kind of sad that you can't distinguish fiction. From that is the reality. truth. Yeah, that's the <laughs> truth. But but it was it was like kind of a compliment at the time. But my mom yeah. didn't tell me that for years. She like never told me that. And then one day she was just like, you know, there's this one time, you know, just just after I come back from from New York, it's like you know, so this like is one 2001, time. Like almost two years later. <laughs> mm, yeah. One year later. One year later, roughly. Yeah. yeah that, I, I thought that was really cool. I was, that is that cool. Was cool. Like, such a cool story. Yeah, but like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was it was high school. How could it be amazing? <laughs> like, you know, like, sorry. You're gonna go on to great things. Although the the Colorado Shakespeare Company did see our comedy of theirs and said it was awesome. Oh, did they? But yeah, they wrote a whole review about our play. 
Mr. Klug has it, and like it, it, for there's like Golden the, Transcript or Denver Post or. Um, you know, I don't remember which one it is specifically, but it was like an actual article about our play from them, because they they publish their own newsletter about the Shakespeare plays they're putting on and stuff like that, and I think that somebody had looked at it from there and put it in the actual newspaper. Awesome. Did, so, did they say anything specific about the executioner? Yeah, they said the executioner was hot, and that he wanted they wanted to touch Even, his bod. They they found that they tell from the mask yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd uh i wore a as a, the executioner i wore a purple mask with a yellow smiley face on it <laughs> in addition to my red and white striped pants and a uh, bit of a contradiction but but uh but yeah, yeah. it was uh yeah that, that, that show specifically that's one of the that's probably one of the best shows we ever put on it was the set was really simple there's not like there's really literally nothing to the set and it was all based on and it's just a bunch of our acting two by fours that look like doors on mirroring each other on each side and then a bunch of steps so yeah it was that was cool that was cool but so. left a lot to the imagination imagination and i remember uh when we were putting the set together like i was thinking you know let's do more <laughs> even though it's clue had a specific and probably you know obviously better ideas but i was like hey we, you know we can get some uh uh like iron rods and hang like <laughs> plants and flowers off the yeah. other side and they more, look more like a city and everything and he's just like you know we're gonna do it this way but good effort like trying to be part of the show you know did you ever break into mr klug's office with a credit card um i'm i don't think i did it myself but i was probably with you guys <laughs> yeah you did it. i definitely did it a lot and actually you just reminded me of um when you were talking about auditions because uh, i only did one audition ever <laughs> for the actually it's kind of two because that's part of the story I did, uh, when I auditioned for Comedy Bears, like, the only thing I figured I could be good at is doing another Rowan Atkinson skit. So I did uh, one where he's, like, the father of a bride at a wedding, but he's completely hammered. And I performed it, and it wasn't good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I could tell as I was doing it, I was like, I didn't prepare enough for this. <laughs> I want to be in the show to at least do one with my friends. And so I, after the skit, um, I went up to Klug and said... Mr. Klug, I will come back tomorrow. Please let me do a different audition. <laughs> and so that very night, I stayed up and I was like, "What am I going to do? I like I don't. I'm not familiar with a lot of, a lot of plays and monologues." And I just took a Weird Al Yankovic's Albuquerque song, which is 12 minutes long. <laughs> I took the lyrics and I turned it into a play. That's right. So that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he just talks about all this crazy nonsense, nonsensical stuff about Albuquerque. Um, and performed only like the first five minutes of it, and it was, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it was amazing. <laughs> Amazingly clever, and everyone, it got a huge reaction, and um, that was my only audition story. That was true, though. And now I just stay behind the camera because... Because <laughs> you're afraid. I'm not afraid, I just feel like creatively it's better for me. Um, so anyway... After the plays, um, we still hung out together. Actually, even after we graduated, we still went to theater class, and we got... Do you want to tell them what we did to the downstairs? Oh, the Matrix <laughs> room. Oh, I forgot about that. That's because we never finished it, though. We were, we were so adamant about finishing the downstairs. Like, even as seniors, we kind of like started trying to figure out ways to change it because we took the posters down and put other posters up and stuff like that. Right. Uh, actually, also, um, I think... After Comedy of Errors, there was a huge flood. Yeah, that's right. And that's we were the one of the few schools in the Denver area that had an oak floor stage. Everyone that's else right. has what plywood? Well, I think it varies. We have like two stages. We have a stage 
that had steps going up to it that were um, that were uh, cement, and then over that they built the round edge of the stage. The proscenium. The pres- yeah, the proscenium. <laughs> they the they built that afterwards. Right. Like and that's out of the, oak. Out yeah. of oak, and that part got ruined. Yeah, it flooded. I I never saw the actual flood water but I came in and just like Klug was miserable he's like theater's over yeah so for a couple weeks I don't know where we, we just perform stuff in the band room or the choir room until they put the plywood down in the band room I think band room yeah so then they we had a plywood stage for uh, Charlie Brown I just remembered I got to paint the blocks for Charlie Brown yeah that's with, right uh, different child's toy images but uh yeah so we had an oak stage and then I was just trying to segue into, into back the, to the downstairs, yeah, downstairs below the stage. There was uh, the dressing rooms and the makeup area. And prior to what we were doing, what we did after we graduated, <laughs> there was uh, all the posters from all the different years, going back like 20 years, I think, of just all the posters for all the shows. And then there was, you know, the cast would get together and, you know, paint some kind of art on the wall. Or sign the posters. Sign the posters. Yeah. Basically, like, leave their mark after they left. And, um... You and I got together and we decided to redesign the dressing rooms. That was really funny though. Yeah. So the guy's dressing room, we uh, the Matrix had just come out at that time and it was really popular. And so we decided to uh, paint the entire room black and then draw the... Uh, we painted it green. We painted it black with green characters. I just, oh, what, really? For some reason I have it opposite in my brain. No. Was it, what, my, it's a black it, background it's, with it green yeah, characters yeah. streaming. So, we, That's right. we cut out little stencils for all the characters, and then not cartoon characters, but like fake language characters. Yeah, yeah. fake language characters. Um, kind of kanji looking, but um, <laughs> instead of using uh, buckets of paint, we decided to spray paint the entire black thing. and green. Yeah, that was Instead of getting gallons of paint. That's but we had like so much black spray paint. I right. think that's why we we're just like we need to use this somehow. And it didn't cover very well. Yeah, because we, yeah, we re- reused stuff that we could use yeah. for the shows and just tried to use it up. And yeah, yeah, we're spray painting in this closed off room under oh, the school. Man. And we're just like, dude, does your head feel okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass out. Hi. Yeah. So we had to get the fans in there, and so yeah, we we tried to paint the guys' dressing room like the like the opening characters from the Matrix, but we didn't get that far. I think we only got like a paint like half of it. We ran out of material. That's the day Carson showed me his pubes, and he had dyed a racing stripe down his pubes. <laughs> oh my god, that was really red and funny. blue. Just black. He has like kind of dark hair. He's like dark brown, and then he had a red stripe. He like bleached it before, and oh man. Oh, I'm glad I didn't see that. <laughs> but uh, then uh... <laughs> racing stripe across the arm. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. And then the girls' room, we were just, the girls' dressing room, we were like, we kind of lost interest in painting the whole downstairs. I don't so we, even remember what we did for the girls' we room. We just threw color everywhere. Was that, was like that we, just, we just like. Threw <laughs> lots of paint <laughs> on the wall, so it just looked at, like a clown fell off the Sears Tower. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So it was just a mess, and then the girls came in, and they're like, why didn't you do anything cool for us? <laughs> so, and then we like put our handprints on, right. painted our hands, and printed it elsewhere, and we drew, um, like on the door, we did like a, the kanji for men and kanji for women. Yeah. And now it doesn't matter because they demolished the school entirely, yeah, and that now that's gone. So. Yeah. Now I remember. I, now I remember what it was. Running gags and sudden stops, and then uh, the second play I was in. 
after all. I uh, was in uh, Outsiders. Ah. That's what it was. Like I didn't get to, I, I didn't pay attention to theater then, so yeah. I don't remember what was, was leading up to the senior. Running but... gags and sudden stops, and I... then it was another play, and then it was. Um, I heard you, you did Odd Couple one year, right? Odd Couple, that's what it was. Yeah. Odd Couple, that Outsiders. was my freshman year. You guys did Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet was sophomore year. And Romeo and Juliet was the second play. The first play was Outsiders, my sophomore Who year. Who usually did like Shakespeare as the yeah, fall play. Yeah. And then um, he got mad at me from Outsiders, so he made me like a nobody. In, um, I died in the first like 14 minutes. Yeah, or the, I only had four lines and like you know, but uh, yeah, I, that I was in that, and then that's where, I, and then I missed the musical again that year. But then I was then came Diary uh, Van Frank and then Comedy Bears. That was junior. Yeah, strolling down memory lane there. Yeah, yeah. been a while since. So I know I really haven't that. thought about this stuff in a long time. But yeah. um, yeah, yeah. So after we repainted the theater and then left. Uh, we uh, that's when you, me, Russell, Jason, um, Cliff was Cliff involved. Cliff was involved. Cliff, yeah, Cliff, Cliff was involved. Cliff basically built everything. Cliff is his nickname. His nickname is MacGyver because yeah, he can he build was, uh, anything uh, out of anything. And I don't want to say specifically what he's the master of building. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get him in trouble. But yeah. That's, it was um, funny. But it involves a gumball tube. Oh, that was so awesome! Uh, God, that was amazing. Seven Eleven used to have long, three like foot. three foot. Tubes, plastic tubes of gumballs, and he converted it into something else. Yeah, use your imagination. But um, but yeah, I think there was someone else. Um, but we, our very first Nebulous Visions business project was for a company called Blue Ribbon Home Warranty. Yeah, I have a picture. You probably can't hear what Adam just said, but he said uh, he has a picture of it. But uh, it it was in Lakewood, and they basically Russell met this guy on an airplane. I don't remember what his trip was for, but on an airplane, the guy, the CEO of it, hey, look at there, there's the picture. And yeah, it's just Russell, Jason, Adam, Cliff, and me in your mom's old apartment, your condo. And uh, yeah, he wanted a website, and so we got together and we uh, designed a website for him, and how long did it take to actually complete it? Oh, six months. Six months, Something yeah. Ridiculous. Embarrassingly unnecessary. unnecessary. And it wasn't really us who finished it, basically Jason finished it because I was just the designer, I didn't really know how to program what they needed, so I just designed the look of it and then Jason actually kind of repurposed it because I basically designed everything in True Space 2 and then it was a That's JPEG, right. I didn't know Photoshop then, I didn't know We didn't. We thought Photoshop Dreamweaver. was like ridiculous at that time, Yeah, it seemed like such an advanced tool, so yeah, we did that and Jason finished it after uh, six months. Um, and then we got paid like 800 bucks for the whole thing, split it up. Obviously, we gave Jason a huge, like, 50% chunk of that for saving our asses. Um, and then we decided to kick back, and um, I went... Art Institute? Yeah, I didn't start the art... I, because of my storied startup into college. I guess we both kind of interesting startups into yeah. college, because I... Originally planned as soon as I got out of high school to go to the University of Miami. So my family assumed we were moving to Florida, but that fell through. And yeah. so I said, well, great, I'll get to stay here. And then I actually applied and got accepted to Colorado State University. And then I went to orientation, and I wasn't that impressed. 
I wanted to do commercial art at the time because commercial art is obviously more profitable, uh, well, you know, better for your career. Uh, even though I also wanted to do regular art, <laughs> regular art, just you know. Well, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know if regular is the best adjective for it. But anyway, <laughs> real art, I guess. Anyway, but so uh, two weeks before I was supposed to start at CSU. I, my parents turned me on to, like, hey, did you hear about this place called the Art Institute? And then I went to orientation there, and I was like, you know, to make money, this is where I need to be. So, but because I was late on admissions, I didn't go, like, like I didn't start the uh, August or July semester at Art Institute. I got to wait till October, so there's, like, still another two or three months where I just got to hang out with you guys. Um, and I went to Red Rocks Community College yeah, and you... smoked pot and drank <laughs> with Carson and did nothing. We, we didn't even go to class. I, st I still don't know how I passed that place. I, to this day, it's like amazing that I passed that place. Well, you didn't really pass because you didn't really graduate from there. So. Technically, I did. But after like five years. <laughs> what degree did you get? You get a two-year degree. Uh, but I went there for a year, and then um, then I applied to the New York school. That's, um, yeah. So, um, while I'm starting Colorado Institute of Art, Adam has flown off to New York. Why? Uh, well, I went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and was applying to NYU, which I got into both. Um, both are acting schools, major acting schools. New York University, obviously, is a major acting school and law firm school. But I got into there, but it was a lot of money, and I wasn't sure that I was actually going to even finish college. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And then uh, I also... How long were you out there? I was only out there for six weeks. But... It was, you know, life-changing experience for sure. I got to sit there for six weeks and just act, and I did, I did two shows while I was out there. And, what were those? Uh, one was Equus, and the other one was, uh, uh, God, the fuck is the name of that show? Um, they're both off Broadway. It's the other one that I did was some guy wrote it and. Never got big, but I just can't think of the name of it right now. And you met some celebrities like John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman, Kevin Klein. Um, who else did I meet? Which I found out later, Nicole Kidman. And I, um, Natalie Portman. Basically, I was in a coffee shop. I was going to see um, The Seagull by Anton Chekhov. It was a free play, but you had to stay up all night and then basically sleep in Central Park and then wake up and get your tickets at 7 in the morning because there was a line that was, you know, 10 blocks long otherwise. So me and some of, the some of my friends from the theater school decided to go and sleep all night in Central Park and wake up and uh, get tickets and then go see the play later. So what I did, what I, was, I, said, I decided that I was going to go uh, get some coffee and I was like, you know, you guys mind if I go get coffee, I'll be back in a little bit. And they're like, oh yeah, sure, and they're just hanging out anyways. So I went to the, I went to this coffee shop. It wasn't that far away, but I was just randomly at this coffee shop, and uh, I sit down at a table, and um, and uh, one of my teachers is there, Jim Devonick, and he's. He, look, I thought he was alone, so I was like, "Oh, hey, hey, Jim, how are you?" He was my speech coach, and I was like, "Hey, uh, how are you? You know, uh, I heard you work for Robert De Niro's." Uh, the uh, film company and you're his like speech coach and all that kind of stuff and so 
Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, hey, sit down, sit down. I'm meeting some people here, so just you can join us for a little while. And he was a really cool guy. He had, he had a, like, a wealth of knowledge about acting and speech and all that kind of stuff. Fat, toddly little man, but knew speech better than anybody. His accent, he was from Pennsylvania. He had a really funny accent, and then he would speak properly. And you could absolutely hear the difference in diction and everything. I mean, it was amazing. It was, uh, oh, it was amazing. So, uh... I'm sitting there, and he and I are having a conversation, and three people sit up, and and somebody says, hey, hey, Jim, you mind if I sit down with you? And, and I was like, man, that voice sounds familiar. That sounds like, God, that sounds like Kevin Klein. Jesus. And I turn to my right, and there's fucking Kevin Klein sitting down at my table, and he's with Natalie Portman, and they're sitting down, and they both sit down, and I'm like, oh, my God. And Kevin's like, yeah, I'm about to meet John. And Jim says, oh, cool, just tell him to come sit with us, you know, because he knew all these people. And John Goodman, and I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get there. John Goodman sits down at the table, and I'm, like, freaking out in my brain, but I'm somehow remaining calm outside. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm huge fans. So that's, you guys, you know, hello, how are you? Hello, hello. And uh, turns, in the play, the seagull had, um, uh, oh, man. Just forgetting names all over the place today. Uh, who's the man who's in uh, oh, Jesus? Along came Polly. He's kind of the fat man in Along Came Polly. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's what it is. Philip Seymour Hoffman was in The Seagull. Uh, he was the main star of The Seagull. And then Natalie Portman, John Goodman, Kevin Klein were all in it. And um, Nicole Kidman was there seeing the play. And there's like all these other famous people that were there, but. I met Nicole Kidman as well. Who was kind of a bitch, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> she, no offense. In the off chance that she may download this podcast, yeah. um, that was a joke. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, uh, you haven't listened to the other podcasts yet, but we've ripped on so many other people <laughs> that have been like, maybe we need to tone it down if we're ever going to get anywhere uh, in the industry. Well, but she was. I mean, she, was, she basically snarled at me, and I was like, whoa crap because i was having a conversation with her man friend whatever maybe she and tom just had a i this is little fight I, prior to that maybe i think this is after that after that because i think he was looking for penelope cruz at that time but whatever. well yeah, whatever. whatever but uh so you know i met kevin klein and natalie Foreman and john goodman and i sat there and they basically oh, all three of them got into acting really early and they all really kind of carried on but they every single one of them has this kind of like five-year gap where they just went off and did their own thing which they had money to do and i didn't but they pretty much sat there and they asked they said you know why are you an actor and i said you know just and i kind of basically explained certain things and they said you know you should be careful you don't want to get into worse things when you get into when you get out of it and you get if you get big you know you can get really you can get really turned around and, and i was like you know that makes sense you know, but then Kevin Klein leans over to me and he says, "says You know, it's one thing to fake what life is, but it's another thing to know what life is." And I, that was like at the moment that 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 very moment I had done absolutely nothing. I have, you know, I was nobody. I, I'm still young, you know, and I was I'm young now, but I was much younger than I, you know, that pretty much skyrocketed me in terms of growing up a little bit. And it's a pretty poignant. I it was a very phrase. Yeah, yeah, it was very poignant. Because there is a difference between like, yeah. like you can go out there and you can perform and you know pretend like you know a simple 
be very simple to job, but if you can look at uh, people and uh, understand how they act and uh, oh, yeah, and just basically like understand better. life, right? Yeah. You know, and it was more like, and for me, because I had seen such a small portion of life that I was like, whoa, holy shit, what a cool sentence, you know, like, wow, and so I. I decided not to go to NYU. I decided not to go to American Academy of Dramatic Arts. I, I told all the people there, I said, you know, I'll probably return to acting, but I don't really know what I'm doing. So I went, so I came back, I told my mom that I was coming back to Denver and that I wanted to go somewhere where my friends were. My, basically, the majority of my friends, excluding Brad and some of the other people, the, pe the people that I thought I was more close to at the time, um, uh, Carson and Cliff, no, not Cliff, uh, Carson and uh, Mackenzie, both were going to go to Durango, Colorado, uh, Fort Lewis, Colorado. And so I followed them down there and then just got more turned around. I met my ex-fiance, or, you know, the girl, uh, Miho Komatsu, the girl that I was planning to marry, that we were planning to get married, and I guess she was technically my fiance. But, uh, yeah, and then I, then I was so much more turned around from drinking and and like smoking pot, I didn't do anything about pot. I've never done anything really, anything other than pot. But that I got so much more turned around and so much more lost that I was like, I gotta get the hell out of here. And I just came back home to Denver the year later, and went back to Red Rock Community College and said, I'm gonna get a two-year degree. That's what I'm gonna do. So then I finished that. And then after that, uh, Miho and I broke up, and then like I met another girl. And Brad and I all the time were making movies and kind of like exploring new avenues and stuff like that and I'm trying to figure out what what is a way to make myself different make our company different make make what we're doing more different and uh, you know basically build something that nobody else has right stand up in the crowd yeah and so I decided that I wanted to learn another language and the language I've always loved and kind of cared for was Japanese so I decided to get a Japanese degree and the, one of the best schools for it is CU so then I applied to CU and somehow I got in. You know, I still, I still just like look at that. I have that acceptance letter at my mom's house and I just kind of like, yeah. ooh. Not to rain on your parade, but it's my opinion that as long as you have the money, colleges will accept you. Yeah, well, no, I mean, but CU used to be like this, no, fuck you. But at the time, I know at the time that their enrollment was down because um, they had those two deaths from people over drinking. And they died of alcohol poisoning at the frats, and so they were like, and people stopped applying to CU the year before I applied to CU, and so they're pretty much kind of accepting anybody, you know, like I understand. Hey, you want to learn something? Come on in. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Doors open. Yeah, no problem. You want loans? Yeah, no problem. No problem. You know, like, but yeah, I mean, it was like opportune time, you know, like it just happened. Everything just happened kind of right, and then I finished my degree, and now I'm trying to. I need. More, more stuff. I need more stuff to make something different, you know. And the best way to do that is just to move around a little bit, try other things. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't really quite decided exactly what I'm doing from here on out. But. For everyone at home, what did you graduate with? 
Japanese language and like language and culture degree. <laughs> Associates, bachelors, bachelors. Yeah, I would assume it's a bachelor's because yeah. you spent a long time in college. Yeah, I started when I was sixteen though, so yeah, I mean that's even more ridiculous. 16? Yeah, I went to college with Cliff. Cliff and I went. Oh right, you, took, got, you did Red Rocks classes. We did Red Rocks classes you... before because uh, the high school paid for Cliff and I to go to take all these different classes, and Cliff and I took a class together, uh, programming class, and then I took other classes too, but I don't think Cliff did. I think he only took that one. So then I took other classes and I did that. I did that for both years I was in high school. So, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting looking back at all that because now you know you then you even look back. I don't even how many movies have we even like short things have we even made like forty? I'm in the middle of uh, remastering a bunch of them, and so the whole collection roughly is we're looking at sixty videos. Shit, that's a lot. Granted, not all of them are with each other, but. Um, no, the, the whole Nebulous Vision catalog is around 60 videos. That's pretty amazing. You know, in an eight, eight, nine year span. That's actually, you know... Well, I mean, we didn't really start filming stuff until 2001 because... Snickers is the first thing we did, right? Uh, Pikachu is the first thing I well, did for class. Came, that's right. And then after that we did... Um, I also did... After Pikachu I did the Pumpkins video for class. So I was that's still right. doing stuff by myself. And that was just... I didn't even get to film that because that was just a project where you had to move stuff with Premiere across the screen. Oh, okay. um, and then the third one, actually, I think that is our first video, is a uh, brand new game. Oh, that was before Snickers? I believe so. I thought Snickers, we were just sitting around. I'm pretty sure Snickers was first. Because that wasn't for class. We did that for our own We thing. just did that, for, and we did it in two days. Like, we shot, and then you, you no, one day. We shot yeah. it. Because you just got in your camera, yeah, early on. and you prep stuck the firecracker in his ass and lit the fire. That's like <laughs> no, the that was years you... later. <laughs> really? No, I yeah. thought that was the first thing you got on your camera film. Uh, like that's all stuff from like 2002, like that tape. Um, yeah, because I saw like, you know, like we're cutting fruit with the samurai. Swords. <laughs> oh yeah, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, that was but rad. like Brett's firecracker in his ass is the same tape, I think. But um, that was a little funny. No, because I like it went by project, like the way oh, that okay. I kept them organized. So like brand new game. Like, I, that's when I finally got, like, I was using the school's cameras up until that point for the Pikachu and everything, and then I, I got my own yeah. the X 2000 and then got you and Cliff in, and then, like, oh, you know, this is fun and awesome. Let's do more of this, you oh, know? Okay. You're an, you wanted you wanted to be an actor really bad at the yeah. time, and um, I was just like, I like to do anything creative and new, so. That's um, right, that's right. That's so right. it was a brand new game, and then I think Snickers was next. Oh, okay. We just ran out to the park. And yeah, we that. just ran out across the street and did it, and then you went back. But at the and time, when we were doing those early videos, like now, our stuff is more elaborate, so it takes more time. But in those days, when we first got the camera, I shoot it, run back to my edit. apartment, edit it, and then that night, you know, run down to Adam's basement. We premiere it for the parents and everybody, and uh, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. That was an interesting really guerrilla style filmmaking, I guess. Yeah, but it was fun. You know, just it was so clean for me like there's not like a lot of like it's not like now where we have to like it feels like there's pressure now to, it does feel like there's pressure now you know you can't really get a job doing those videos yeah you know. and, and and part of it like I want to do it professionally for like 90% I want to do it professionally but 10% I'm like yeah fuck that shit you know like <laughs> I don't want to deal with all that corporate bullshit that oh I can't put this scene in my movie fuck you yeah you know that that's it's like image comics you know like image comics creates their own label and they want to like just you know produce like people who just want to produce stuff and they just take a cut of their stuff like that would be so much cooler if we could create a studio based on that kind of principle but 
we don't have a lot of money. So yeah. <laughs> when I got out of college, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do either, and I kind of just like listened to my parents, took their advice, like you know, oh, you know, you like art, so go to art college. And I went to art college, and you know, the whole time, like once I started doing the video stuff, like oh, your videos are so good, ah, so good. And, you know, you'll be the next Spielberg, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I could be the next Spielberg, you know? So, like, I do that, but looking back, you know, now that I'm in industry doing graphics work, like, I do love art, but at the same time, like, I don't think I like making art for money anymore. Yeah. Like, because you have to make concessions, um, and you have to do, you know, basically what you don't want to do, you have to pay your dues. And, like, I like making videos with each other, and it, even if it's not profitable, like, I enjoy it still. Yeah, I always have fun just making it for making it, as opposed yeah. to, you know, and, and I, when we were trying to do two, I think that was, like, one of the things I kept thinking about is, like, this feels more like a ploy to, like, not that, not that it was, and I thought it was a really cool concept, and I really wanted to do it, like, film it and make it and do that every week and do that stuff, but it was, like, timing-wise, it didn't work for me, because I couldn't, like... I was so doing so much stuff. Yeah, like I was a manager. Two years, all of us, we've been separated. Like Cliff moved yeah. away. Ryan. Yeah, Ryan's been doing busy, Ryan stuff, yeah. and like I, you know, I've been trying to graduate, and I also was a manager of a sushi bar, and like so much, all these different pressures were around. It was just like one more thing. It was just like it was the point of two. Yeah, the point of two, like you've probably heard about in another podcast. The point of two was for all of us to one week. Someone would edit, direct, and act, and then the next week we would rotate, and we just wanted to get into a uh, like a schedule that was repetitive, and where we could all get like because on all the videos I I usually direct and edit, and I wanted to get like let's see what our videos would look like if Adam directed it or wrote, you know. Because so. I actually have always wanted to be a director as well, but it's just. It just has worked it out. It just has that, worked out differently. I don't like being in front of the camera, right. so it defaults to you. Yeah. So. You know, and I've never really had the technology at my hands and such and so, so I've been like, kind of like, it's not that I'm held back, I've kind of held myself back in that stance, because I could easily have gotten all that stuff done, and I tried to do it at one point, and then I ruined the computer, and then that computer still isn't fixed. Damn. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so it just has worked in a different way for us, but... I, you know, in the end, I think this is probably what we're ultimately destined to do. <laughs> I've been, I've been paying a, like, I've been looking into the independent circuit more, and, uh, like, I don't want to, I don't think I want to make the $100 million picture. I, I think I'd be happy if you and I could get together, oh, you, you, me, and the other guys, and, you know, for a very low, like, I'd like to take the lowest budget possible and make the greatest possible product. Yeah. So, I totally agree. I think that's totally, absolutely what I've always focused on is... Like, if somebody were to give us 30 grand, like, what could we maximize with that 30 grand, you know? Right. Like, just think about, like, clerks and stuff that, like, really people just went crazy for because they just went, fuck it, you yeah. know? Like, like if we're, do it. If we impress on a local level, like, I, I feel that's a comp an accomplishment. Yeah, and enough. that actually builds it on its own. That really, like, pulls, you know, you, you just start, that's where you have to start. I think about musicians they have to start here they have to move on and move on so yeah I mean it just takes one thing and that's that's I've always said that to Brad I've said it for years I've always said that I, you know and I truly believe that you make that one good thing and people see it and then once they see that they're kind of stuck on you forever whether it's good or not they always will pay attention at least half the people will pay attention to what you're doing and if that's you know let's say you sell to a hundred thousand people you sell a ticket to a hundred thousand people 
maybe 50,000 people come back, that's still 50,000 people that came to see your fucking movie, you know, yeah. like, that's better than, better than nothing, you know, and I, I just, I think that that's kind of what's driven Nebulous Visions in the past, it, you know, the two of us, like, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, we can make this one thing, you know. The real drive is, is the want to do things. Yeah, that, yeah. It's not, like, I can't speak for all of the crew, but, yeah. like, some of them do want to be famous, but, like, it's just the the want to uh, create anything. I, I want to be creative. Like I the, love being creative. Yeah, like, it doesn't have to be video. Like, I, if I want to create, I don't know, like, this couch. Well, uh, I mean, like right now, you have I have this stuff here. I'm making a scroll for Tana. That's what this is for, because I'm going to make an a old... wall scroll? Like, an old wall scroll in, in old English, you know, so... Yeah, I mean, we, you and I have that passion, creativity. Yeah, with our hands, with any kind of tool, yeah. in any kind of medium. That's really what it's about. And that's what Nebulous Visions kind of has been. We've just made everything. Websites, videos, commercials, all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, you made that Family Guy stand-up that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, that I made, I, I took the all the musical numbers off the DVDs. Off Family Guy off DVDs. Off Family Guy DVDs, and I... Transfer them onto his audio so CD, cool. so it's almost like a soundtrack of the show. Because we took it like from the Simpsons idea, the Simpsons did that, and they took all the songs, and so Brad did that right. with Family Guy. Yeah, and I took it a step further. I didn't just create the jewel case and the artwork. I created the store display Displays that there, yeah. it would that probably be cool. in if it was sold sold in stores. That was really cool. So, uh, so yeah, we've done signage and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So yeah, just our drive to create art and product. So, gosh, we've uh, yeah, already exhausted an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, well, we can continue next time. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, we got but, plenty of because we I we didn't get to talk about Sorks's domain and yeah. a bunch of other stuff, but obviously, upcoming later. Upcoming, yeah, on future netcast. Yeah. Um, also, uh, in the two episodes, me and Ryan haven't found a good like, uh, outro saying. <laughs> good you, outro. Yeah. Do you have anything in your head that you think you? start recycling um thanks for listening <laughs> yeah. yeah wow we don't sound creative wow <laughs> landest uh, outro ever yeah the, something creative could fart in the microphone <laughs> but then i'd have to fart every time and that would be impossible see cliff could do that i can't do that He's the gassiest man ever oh, i know yeah, i haven't uh Smelled yeah. as a Roman some years. <laughs> uh, well, we need to wrap. Yeah, we need we to wrap it up. But for now, have my voice crack. Yeah, for now, no. But, think but for of now, we'll think of something. There's plenty more weeks, and these shows will get more tighter and more yeah. professional. We still haven't. I think uh, I haven't got any feedback about it, but maybe we. I don't know. Do we need like a an opening theme song? Maybe. <laughs> we could. We could we ask could. Robert. I know. Be, oh yeah, Robert. We made his music video, and now it's time to call him a favor from him. <laughs> hey, Robert, what's yeah. a good Nebulous, Nebulous Visions-based theme song? Like, oh, you guys take too long to make videos. Waka, waka, waka. Waka, waka. Yeah, actually, uh, yeah, you guys check out our rap group, rap videos. Yeah, man, God, we got all kinds of stuff. So, all right, well, I'm Brad. I'm Adam. And thanks for listening to another episode of Nebcast. We will, you will hear from us later. Indeed. Sayonara.